Hi everyone, welcome to Movies at Midnight Podcast, where we discuss movies that we've watched and do some traveling inspired by the filming location or the themes of the film. I'm Tanya. And I'm Jorge. And today we are wrapping up Fear Street Trilogy. Yeah. 1666. Yes. <laughs> a lot of answers to the questions we had. Yeah, and in this one, uh, it reminds me of the Back to the Future series, kind of like where you have to go back to back in time to uh, answer some questions. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's just get into it. I'm not going to give a hullabaloo about... <laughs> I don't think I used that word correctly, but whatever. All right, let's get into it. I think this is the longest one yet, so. Yeah. We open in 1666. We open with Sarah, who is played by Dina, and she has a bloody knife that we saw at the end of the last one, mm -hmm. but it's a bit of a, a misdirect because she's delivering some piglets. Yeah. And she delivers them and then goes and has a chat with her father, and he mentions, oh, you should marry Solomon Good. Yeah, and a little bit of a, I don't want to call it an Easter egg, but her dad tells her about Solomon's kind of like troubled past, which goes into some motivations later in the film, but how I guess he lost a child and he lost his wife. So even though he wants his daughter to marry Solomon, it's like, oh, here's a, a man with a troubled past with some misfortunes, yet he wants his daughter to marry this specific person. Yeah, but Sarah says they're just friends. Mm -hmm. So Sarah walks through the town, and we see characters from previous films, and they have this secret code that they keep saying to each other. One says, a full moon rises before nightfall, and the other responds, a good night to enjoy the fruits of the land. So they're, it's a secret code for a party that they're killer party they're gonna the have teenagers later. are having in, in the, the woods, woods yeah. as one does yeah i never got invited to any of those that, that sounds fun <laughs> and um this part even though it's like code word for them but it reminded me of like the handmaiden's tale when um oh, the yeah. handmaidens would like walk up to each other. i forget what they say blessed day like. yeah blessed be eye. the fruit or something like that when they were saying that, because all of the teenagers were saying that, it reminded me of that. They're like, wink, wink. Yeah, let's go get <laughs> drunk in the woods. Yeah. Wink, well, I mean, wink. what else are you going to do in Puritan society? <laughs> As a teenager. <laughs> Sounds boring. Uh, but we do get, there are a group of younger children playing this game, and it's a bit foreshadowing because they are saying something about the pastor, who is Cyrus, and like how he sees or doesn't see, and he jovially joins in with them is like oh i can see i have eyes in the back of my head which is yeah. creepy when you think when we see what happens later pastor miller blind as a bat tried to read the bible and his eyes went flat oh but i see you i've got eyes in the back of my head so then sarah goes up to hannah who is played by sam in the first one and we see that there's a connection between them they like each other i'm saying we should also point out that uh Hannah is uh, Pastor Miller's daughter. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they have some banter, and we meet Thomas, who is played by Tommy. Some of the names are kept. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. And he's the mad town drunk, but also a little very creepy, actually. But he's like, oh, Sarah, I see a darkness in you, blah, blah, blah. So Sarah's on her way to Solomon's house to give him one of the little piglets. So cute. Uh, 
and she gets to his house and he lives outside of the settlement and he makes reference that his brother wants him to move back in but he just wants to be out there and try his luck at farming something to that effect and Solomon is played by Sheriff Nick Good in 1994. So that night Sarah, Hannah, and Lizzie, who is played by Kate, don't worry about remembering too many of these yeah. names, they're barely there, uh, they are going out to Widow Mary's house to get some berries. I think hallucinogen berry, hallucinogenary berries? Psychedelic berries. Psychedelic berries. And I'm like, okay, even in this one, Kate slash Lizzie. Even in this one, you're the procurer of drugs and such. So on their way over, as they're walking through the woods, they're kind of telling the tales that they've heard of Widow Mary, because she also lives out in the middle of nowhere on her own property. And they're like, oh, she's a witch. Oh, she made a deal with the devil. She's the devil's wife. Just like stories you would probably hear and make up about someone who's more of a hermit. But Sarah says, oh, no, she like learned medicine from the natives and... That's what Solomon told me. So some gossip. Mm. And when they get there, the house is empty, and they're going through it. Looks a little witchy. And Sarah finds that a big book with the witch's mark on it. And when she opens it, it seems to be full of spells. And one in particular looks like a deal that you make with the devil. The and simple exchange. Mm, simple. And she reads a bunch of names of the devil, like Beelzebub. That's the only one I know, because I think it's a so fun to say. Beelzebub. <laughs> but eventually it's like Satan. Is it Satan? Is it Dana Carvey SNL reference? Oh. The church lady? Could it be? Sorry. Anyways. <laughs> on, on this book, I don't know. It, it kind of... Grind, grinded my gears, as you it would say. Really well, it's my like gears. one of those, like, okay, one, who wrote it? And obviously, this is outside the scope of this film, but the title is in English The Simple Exchange. And then the writing is like in some who knows what language um, it was written in, in some sort of like cursive with some images and. Then there's some rando names, which Sarah ends up reciting as well. I think um, those are all Satan's different names from different cultures. Oh, okay. But um, I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and then um, before she got to the simple exchange, there was another page. And in some of the flashbacks that other characters have, they, they see like this skeleton with what kind of looks like... Uh, looks um, like a KKK. Yeah, outfit. you know, like that, that, that robe. And so... You know, you, you can't read what it is, but I was like, oh, is that kind of saying you can mask or embody one of the killers type thing in that? You know, oh. like like the simple exchange is, you know, you're going to possess uh, a shady cider to do some stuff, but then maybe to bring them back. Is, is that was that the other page? Because they, they make all these flashbacks to that one page. And I forgot what the title of that one was, but. I was like, oh, what's the significance of that yeah, particular yeah. page? But then I was like, who's able to read this book? It's magic. No, clearly. <laughs> Maybe once you make the deal, it's like the Matrix where everything makes sense to you. I don't know how you And can... you are... Well, you know when uh, you bite the apple of the Garden of Eden, knowledge is... Uh... Yeah, but how can you make the deal if you don't even know 
how to make the deal. You just call out his name, apparently. Mm, it's a little more involved than that, as mm -hmm. we will see. Then Widow Mary jump scares Sarah. <laughs> it's Nurse Lane from 1978 and 1994. And she said something I liked the way, I liked what she said. It was very good at making you see images in your head. She said, speaking of the devil, he'll bore himself beneath your skin, consume you from inside out. I was mm -hmm. like, ugh! Yeah. That's creepy. Which actually kind of comes up not a few, not too many scenes later. But she then kicks him out. Mm -hmm. And now it's time for sex drug party in the woods with the teens. Oh my gosh. So I got the impression that this party was just for the teenagers. But I had no idea there were that many teenagers yeah. in this settlement. Yeah, you would think it would be like four, I thought it was six. the whole town. Yeah, it's like all of the town's kids are there. It's like 30 people. Yeah, and a lot of these kids, I mean, we, we don't really know where the settlement is taking place. I saw somewhere online where it was like Ohio. Um, but based on like the Crucible and, you know, the Salem Witch Trials, like I was like, oh, is it in the northeast and new mm -hmm. england type settlement but in this like puritan style colonies or little towns everyone's always scared of the woods so it's kind of funny that the the teens go there maybe it's because like oh their parents aren't gonna venture out into the woods because even in the movie the witch they're like oh stay away from the woods that's where he or the devil resides and you don't want to be in that because that's like satan's area mm. Which, oddly enough, is where they go to do their mischief because they're, you know, doing psychedelic berries. They're, oh, yeah. they're drinking what they say, Applejack, which is probably some uh, apple-based uh, alcoholic mm, beverage. Cooler. Just a PSA for the woods. They're great. Don't let these witchy stories make you think otherwise. So one of the men, his name is Caleb, comes up to Hannah and attacks her, pretty much trying to have sex with her. And Sarah comes to her rescue and punches him. And then they go off alone into the woods. And they also humiliate him because, uh, well, I don't know if uh, any of them did it, but then he ends up getting like a boner. And then like all of the um, teenagers are like laughing at him. How did I know you were going to bring that up? Well, because it, 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 that scene gets brought up in the trial. Another? Okay. <laughs> Well, you can take it out if you no, want to No, I think it's that. funny. The two girls start hooking up in the woods, but then they think they heard someone. Someone has seen them. And then they return to the settlement, and they kiss in the settlement. I'm like, yeah. you thought you were seeing the woods. What, what makes you think you'd be any safer kissing right in front of your front door? Mm -hmm. But, of course, Thomas saw them. He's so creepy. He's like, sinners, sinners. And he's laughing about it, I think. It's really weird. But obviously they would be hanged. Yeah, and in, in that scene, uh, Hannah, who's Sam, uh, is talking to Sarah. And she's saying, you know, if the town finds out, they are going to be hanged. And it reminded me of um, this exhibit. So we just visited Eastern State, and they had a section on people that were sentenced to prison for crimes that were illegal in those times but are not uh, illegal now. And it was particularly focused on sex. And it was like oral sex and anal sex was deemed illegal and you can go to prison for that, um, but that those laws were enacted to kind of punish 
same-sex couples because mm. that would be a way for them to be intimate with one another. And so it reminded me of that exhibit when she's saying, oh, if we're found, you know, to be hooking up, that's a, you know, punishable by death, essentially. And it makes sense. I mean, look who are, who've settled this land, just a bunch of stuck up annoying Puritans, <laughs> like, ugh. Yeah, and then uh, I think it plays into the theme of this uh, union, Sunnyvale, Shadyside, where they're like, oh, if you're different, you're not part of the Sunnyvaler. So this is kind of like them being differentiated and then going to be treated differently. Yeah, many times throughout the movie, Sarah brings up, oh, I feel different. More so, I feel wrong. There's something wrong mm-hmm. with me. And she says that a lot throughout. Which and is... even her dad is like, oh, you've always been different. You were born different. Yikes. Can and I rather imagine? than celebrating that difference, it's uh, looked down upon in the settlement. Can't imagine being alive during that era miserable so next morning hannah goes to visit sarah at her house and she's like there's something wrong with my dad the pastor and they go over to see him and he looks zoned out he's whispering he's in a trance there are flies around him which i don't think we ever mentioned but whenever their possessed minions are around there's also always flies around them so he's looking very much like tommy from 1978 this is another reason why i brought up what widow mary had said in her house about the devil being under your skin because Sam, because Hannah says it's like something crawled in from the night and put on father's skin. Hmm, sounds like what Mary said a little bit about the devil crawling inside of you. So then we also find out that Thomas has been going around telling everyone that he saw them kiss. And Hannah's mom is a one of those parents. Her child can do no wrong. She puts all the blame on Sarah. She's like, Sarah, you can't Actually, she attacks Sarah. You are not to see Seraphia. Mm-hmm. And she, like, hits Sarah. I think Hannah, too. But she throws her out. And Sarah is the one destroying their family. Everyone else's fault, you know? I think it's that night we get a scene between Sarah and her dad. And that's when he says, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I always knew there was something wrong with you, which is sad. But I also bring that up because I found it was interesting. He says, it was your mother who is dead now who convinced me, convinced us to settle this land. Mm. So I was like, oh. So kind of like fears were the big proprietors of this whole settlement and situation. I always thought it was the goods, even from the start. But it's almost like a throwaway line, but mm. interesting to note. Yeah, and um, that, that's where it's like, we don't really know the history of Union, but this throwaway line kind of suggests that they were wandering and then Sarah's mom said there's something special about this land she felt something here so it's like okay let's settle it and i don't somehow attracted other people i mean maybe they were uh traveling together i would think so Um, it was probably pretty dangerous to travel by yourself back then but without a group looking at that settlement it's hard for me to say they should have settled because in 1978, you find out the camp is next to a lake, and it's like, okay, there's fresh water there. But what what are the resources? So there's a lot of farming, so they, they must have learned to farm. But it doesn't look like there's a river uh, for them to get, like, fish from. They don't appear to be hunters. They've domesticated some animals. So it's what made this land special. And how can they extract the resources to have a thriving town? Yes, there's wood 
uh, from the lumber and the trees that's around for them to build things, but how, how do they sustain it? Mm-hmm. I think that was the question for many Puritans back then. Sarah's dad then tells her that he feels like he failed her mom because when, I guess she must have passed away when Sarah was uh, pretty young and that he raised her like a boy uh, and maybe that's why she's uh, attracted to another female. Uh, but then it's he not. says like he gave her too much freedom to kind of do whatever she wanted and should have reined her in and uh, kept her in the house and, and do her, her woman duties as like these Puritans would, yeah. would say. It's sad. Sad he can't stick to his guns and say, no, I raised you right. But I mean, his Puritan... What do you even call it? Puritan society? I guess so. Puritan era. We get some shots of Sarah walking through the town and we see that the town is rotting. There are bugs in all the food. The mother pig has eaten all of her piglets. Pretty gruesome. And the water supply is now contaminated. The well is contaminated. A dog had died in there. Sarah's dog, because it was their their dog was missing. Yeah. It's that's pretty much all we see of that. And Thomas, freaking Thomas over here inciting a riot. The devil has come to Union. Who invited the devil? I'm like, shut the, shut yeah. up, Thomas. You're already having, like, the last thing you need when everything falls to shit is someone starting a hysterical riot. But yeah, but it's it's part of that Puritan society and I know. like the mass hysteria and how they were so scared of the devil and anything that was bad, it was the devil's making. Yeah. No, I, I know from that time period, it's just like, oh my goodness. Solomon visits Sarah and she basically comes out to him and she tells him about Hannah, her and Hannah, and she blames herself for bringing the devil. And this is important. And it's, I have a bit of thought, I have some thoughts on this. But Solomon says, no, you must make a clear choice to summon the devil. You must extend the hand. You don't do it by accident. I'll bring it up when it's pertinent, my thoughts about that. And when Sarah's talking to Solomon, uh, he says to her that it was just a dalliance, which I had never heard that word before. A dalliance. I like the um, way you say it. <laughs> and then... Uh, Sarah tells him that she's scared that it's not. Or she knows that it's not. She's um, pretty That it's more forthright. actual love. And at this point, I think Solomon realizes that Sarah will never love him. Because mm -hmm. he kind of starts looking within himself and saying, okay, she's never going to love me. So it's kind of like, oh, let's be friends. Sarah and Solomon hear some scream and it... Turns out that the pastor has locked himself and 12 children in the meeting house. And everyone's freaking out. I don't really know why, because, yeah, he's locked them all in there, but he's the pastor. And, like, they don't show anything. I think the windows are, like, you know, they have those wooden things, so it's oh. like you can't see inside. I get it if people were, like, freaking out, but, like, why was that lady screaming? Like, you know, we don't see anything yet um yeah and it's like here's your pastor which if you're in a puritan society and then later on they're like oh the pastor is this good man like why would you freak out yeah well puritans are dramatic just kidding i have no idea <laughs> um 
But Solomon breaks down the door and it's like immediately quiet, eerily quiet. You see the children in the pews from the back and then the pastor's leaning over the pulpit and he's whispering to himself. And as Solomon approaches, he sees like this lumpy mass in the aisle and it's a pile of eyes just chilling. All the kids' eyes. And you see that, yeah, the pastor and all of the children's eyes are missing, mm-hmm. but the children are dead. Yeah. The pastor is not. Um, all of the children are dead, including Henry, who is Sarah's younger brother, played by Josh. He was in the front row. <sighs> yeah. So then a lot of the town, a lot of the townspeople rush in, and as Sarah's distracted by seeing her brother, the pastor tries to attack her, and Solomon stabs him with a pitchfork and kills him. Yeah, no. In in this scene, I'm like, if the town's freaking out and they barge, they when once they break down the door, I'm like, how can Solomon convince the these other dudes to be like, don't let anyone else in? I mean, may are none of their kids in there? Um, where I'm like, how can Solomon get like what one to two minutes by himself in this room? He's a very commanding figure. Yeah, for for someone who lives outside the settlement, I feel like he really has no say into the the town politics yet. But yeah, all the all of the families start rushing in, and then they all start seeing their their kids like Constance, and you know it is pretty gruesome, and it's uh I think they did a really good job of showing like the blood coming down from their faces and the different postures that the kids had and the pastor ends up making a reference that he can now see. That was the callback to the beginning when he was saying he can see everything earlier as more of a joke with the children and now he's killed all those children and he can see but he doesn't have eyes. And the townspeople cry, witchcraft! Of course. And that night they have a a town hall meeting which I thought was a little comical because it's in the same place as the children were murdered. I was like, you really want to hang out there? Like, it's comical in a sense that they would do that, not funny that. Well, I mean, it's the only place that they probably have. I mean, Uh, I feel like that's where they go to church. Like, I thought that was the church, but they keep calling it the meeting house. Um, So I feel like that's where everything takes place for this little town. So the consensus is that it's witchcraft, but Solomon says... No, it's not. I have proof. And I was like, proof? In this day and age? Okay. Yeah, who who was asking for logic and science? But I am curious what his proof was because they immediately cut him off and they're like, no, no. And he never gets a chance to share his proof. Caleb, the man who attacked Hannah in the woods, says, oh, I saw Hannah and Sarah together that night. And then we get cuts of all of the men saying, as both of them lay with the devil. Hannah Miller and Sarah Fear. I saw Hannah Miller and Sarah Fear. I saw Hannah Miller. I saw Hannah Miller. I saw Hannah Miller. I saw Sarah Fear. I saw Sarah Fear. I saw Sarah Fear. And everyone says that they're witches, but we do find out later that Caleb is lying. He wasn't the one in the woods who saw them. We'll find out who, but it wasn't Caleb. He's a full of shit. He's a liar. Just a Pack of liars in this Puritan town. Yeah. Pack of Puritan. Oh, I was trying to think of a P word for liar. Pontificators? I don't know if that works. Anyways, um, so the girls, Sarah and Hannah, were spying by the window, kind of listening in. So when they hear that they're witches, 
they run off, and the townspeople go and search for them. And they see them by the window. Yeah, you scared me. I thought something was there. I was like, what? Uh, Yeah, because I mean, like, they're looking through, and I'm always like, when you're from the outside looking in, you think you're sneaky, but I feel like if I'm in this room and I see a window and someone's peering, it's very obvious that that someone is there. You have this. You know, you have that much. Your forehead is sticking out before you can see anything. Yeah, a little. And then I'm like, there's plenty of other teenagers in the area. How are you know, Sarah and Hannah, the only teenagers, like, I mean, clearly they're the only ones important to the story, but I'm like, why wouldn't any of the other teenagers or their friends be like on the other windows trying to peer in and listen in? I mean, maybe they were on the other not, side. Not much happens in uh, the Puritan society. So this would be an exciting scandal. <laughs> they're all involved. Sad, sad. Yeah. Um, but they, they almost immediately catch hannah and they tie her up and they're gonna hang her the next day but sarah escapes and she's sneaking through the town at night she doubles back and finds hannah tied up looks like the meeting house again their favorite spot in town and she said this is when hannah tells her oh they're gonna hang me tomorrow and sarah's like they already think we made a deal with the devil screw them let's make a deal with the devil and then we can get out and we'll run far away from here, and it'll be fine. So it's the first shady sider trying to get out of shady side that wasn't able to get Ooh, out of shady side. Because it's Spoilers. you know, in, no, in all of the movies, we have these characters who are like, "Let's get out of this town," and they're doomed to be there forever. Yeah, she says, "If they want a witch, I'll give them a witch." Yeah, a lot of all, good lines in this one. Yeah, and in all these series, they keep saying. You know, she's the witch, she's the witch, so... It is a story about a witch. The transformation <laughs> of a normal human to the witch. Sarah goes to Widow Mary's house in search of the book to make the deal with the devil. To make the simple exchange that they keep referencing. Correct. And when she gets there, no one's there, the book is gone, and then she finds Widow Mary's body and her throat has been slit. So Sarah runs to Solomon's house to tell him... Someone already made a deal with the devil. That's why everything in town is going to crap. And he says he believes her. And I was like, in that moment, are there really, were there really people like him in Puritan society so open? But we'll find out just like a scene later why he believes her. <laughs> and um, very intuitive Sarah Fear here. It's like she's putting, I guess, using the scientific method <laughs> to put one and one together and to bring out of this world. Uh, conclusion but she was like someone's already made the deal and then for what like she specifically calls out for power which we find out that's essentially why this deal was made um legacy the leg yeah etc the things we all want Um, so it's like she puts everything together and now she's like she needs to find out who made this deal to then prove her innocence and save hannah yeah uh maybe I thought she was still just trying to get that book to make that deal. Yeah. I don't know. Um, So some townspeople come to Solomon's house looking for Sarah. And she goes and hides in the back of his house. And he's like, she's not here. You can't search my home. And she finds a tiny door. We don't trust tiny doors after Coraline. No, no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she goes through it. And oh my gosh, it goes underground. Dun, 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 dun. 
It's the ritual room. Yeah. Oh, Solomon, you sneaky little shit. But at this point, we don't know it's Solomon, right? It's just under he, his house. Like, I we might have gotten flashes, but she goes in, and then he gets rid of the townspeople, and he pretty soon after goes in after, her, and he's like, "Yep, it me. It was me. I stole the book. I killed Mary, and I saw you macking in the woods. Mm-hmm. That was me. It was him. Yeah, he was the one who saw them." So we know it wasn't Caleb. Yeah, and this is where he tells Sarah, you know, he made the deal for power, prosperity, and the legacy of the good. Because if we go back to the very beginning of the film when Sarah's talking to her dad and he tells her, you know, Solomon Good has had a lot of misfortunes. His child died, his wife died, and now he's alone and needs someone to take care of him. And he, when Solomon's talking to Sarah, he's telling her how He's been on the bad side of this misfortune, and so he's taking it upon himself to get the things we want. So he made a deal with the devil where he gives them a soul, and his first was Cyrus Miller. Yeah, but um, Sarah rightly corrects him. Like It wasn't just one person. It was then the 12 children, because he says, what's one person every few years? And she's like, well, it's not just one person every few years. Oh, I just wanted to ask, so does Solomon's brother continue the family, the good family line, or does Solomon get remarried? Because I remember at the end there is a shot of the family tree, and it just says Solomon mm-hmm. as, like, the, yeah, the start of the family tree. Yeah, and as the film goes on, we find out that this power is, I guess, passed on from firstborn son to firstborn son. So we're assuming that Solomon is the firstborn son, not his brother. Uh, Um, But we don't see on the family tree, like, who his partner was, mm -hmm. who is the mom. So we know that Solomon ends up having a child and then starting the the good family, which leads down to Nick Good and Will Good from 1994. So when Sarah is saying there are more victims than just one, Solomon says no one's innocent and he also says you're different like me we are different and it's like offering her to join him like come join me in this and we can be prosperous together but Sarah stabs him which I would take as a no (laughs) and escapes into the tavern taverns escapes into the caverns that we saw from 1978 and there's this between the two throughout. I really want to commend these characters in this film because they can all take a stabbing and keep on running. Anyways, she sees the lumpy mass from 1978 as well, so not the witch's heart because she's still running around. She gets to the devil's stone and starts trying to climb up because it looks like there's light up there. And that's when Solomon catches up to her and attacks her. And while he's attacking her, he's like, I love you. Thanks. I <laughs> love it. Great. Print it. Photograph it. Frame it. And put it on our mantelpiece so we can look at the first time you told me you loved me as you're cutting my hand off. I think it was accidental, but it's super gruesome. It's a really cool shot. He, like, I guess maybe she goes to block him. And he, like, yeah. it's not even, it's not cut off right away. It's, like, just barely hanging on. And I'm, like, oh, it was. And then he's like, it was a nearly it. cut off hand. Yeah. He, he eventually does cut it all the way off and it falls on Satan's stone. So now I'm thinking this, this series has bait and switched just so many times. 
maybe you don't have to consciously extend your hand to the devil. Maybe this is when Sarah makes her own deal with the devil, because, and it's not on purpose, but more on that later. But I was also like, wait, are there two curses? Because this curse with the possessed people killing others is already in motion. Mm. So what is Sarah doing? Yeah, it's a second curse. That's how I took it, but we can talk about it more later. Uh, so when Solomon is talking to Sarah and she kind of says, no, I don't want to be with you. I started thinking about his motivations because we know that he's the one that made the deal with the devil. And so from a timeline, I'm thinking the night of the party was when he murdered uh, like right after they got the berries. So he gets the book, goes back to his place, does the ritual, makes the simple exchange. And since Sarah had came out to him, I guess that morning, the following. Mm, yeah, the following yeah. morning. All right. So it's not there. He must have thought that something was going on between Sarah and Hannah. And we saw him making out in the woods. But that that was after. After he. Yeah, I mean, he always, the goal to get fame, fortune, and legacy, maybe not fame, mm -hmm. was always there, but immediately after he saw them making out. So if that factors in, that factored mm -hmm. in a little bit just after. Yeah, and, and, and maybe he did see them kissing, and then that motivated him to go to uh, Widow Mary's place, get the book, do the, the simple exchange, and now he wants to separate Hannah and Sarah and so he makes Cyrus Miller the first killer. Oh, I see. To separate them two. And because in, in the film, you kind of get the sense that Solomon wants to be with Sarah. And then later on, he does tell her that he loves her. And so I feel like his motivation, or at least the first soul to be sacrificed, was kind of selfish on Solomon's point. Yeah. Well, and to get all that power. It's all selfish. Um, <laughs> Which then, when I was rewatching some of the scenes, when the pastor is locked with the kids and he was the first one to go in, this was the first time this deal has ever been made, at least in this series. And I thought it was a really clever way of him observing his work. I gave Cyrus Miller's name to the devil. What did he do? Mm -hmm. So he's responsible for everything he's seeing, the eyes, the kids. And if he's doing this to get closer to Sarah, I was really confused on why the pastor looks like he's going to attack Sarah. And then he's like, oh, pastor's going to kill Sarah. I'm going to stop him. Mm -hmm. But if he's the one that's kind of saying, here's the sacrificial lamb, is the devil kind of like a djinn where it's like, I wished for this and then he twists it? Yeah. I, yeah. I think at that point, the pastor just saw another person to be killed. But I mean, the, there's plenty of people. Why go after Sarah? I mean, maybe, like, like I said, uh, her brother Henry was in the front row. So maybe Sarah was the closest there. But I'm like, if he goes off to the right and just walks, there's tons of people to choose from. So it's like, why go after Sarah specifically? Knowing that the person you've made the deal with is in love with this character. Who's to say that they know that? Well, I mean, you would think Satan would know. Is he omnipotent, like, if God? He's, if he's watching from the woods. We get a scene of Sarah under the floorboards, and she's kicking much like Cindy in 1978. She comes out through the meeting house and exits the building into the settlement. She emerges from the she meeting house, as the legend hand, was saying. Handless. Mm -hmm. 
And then betrayal. Solomon grabs her from behind and is like, I got the witch. I found the witch. So messed up, man. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the morning at the hanging tree and Hannah and Sarah are roped up or almost tied up waiting to be hanged. And Sarah confesses that she did make a deal with the devil and she was the one who bewitched Hannah so that they'll let Hannah go, which they do. So, true love. Which I'm surprised that they would. Yeah, it was too, actually. (laughs) You know, even if they're like, oh, she possessed her, I feel like they would still be like, well, let's not risk any residual witchcraft and and hang them both anyway. Yeah. Um, Which makes for, like, good storytelling in terms of Sarah sacrificing herself because in 1978, we see Cindy Berman sacrifice herself for nothing, essentially. Oh, yeah. Um, Because she was like, Ziggy, get away. I'm going to stop these killers. She dies, but then Ziggy ends up dying anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And Sarah does say, it was only me. It was always me. Which, I remember, was echoed when Sam first, or one of the times that she touched the red moss in the first film. So nice callback. But Solomon is the one to come up to her and tie this, not tie it, it's chain. I'm like, oh, somehow that feels worse than rope. But he chains her up to be hanged. And I feel like this is where the second curse is put on. It comes into place. It feels like Sarah puts a curse, her own curse, onto Solomon. And she says, The truth shall be your curse. It will follow you for eternity. I will shadow you forever. I will never let you go. So now, I personally think there are two curses. I'm kind of with you. Um, But going back a little bit, I'm glad you said that quote about it was always me. Because it reminded me, and recently, you know, everyone's seeing the previews for Candyman, where uh, he was telling Helen, it's always you. Oh. And this Fear Street has made so many, like, references and paying homage to a lot of great horror films, where I was like, oh, man, like, here's the the Candyman line of, it was always you, Helen. And I um, thought you were going to say that. It's you. It's me. Oh. We never finish <laughs> yeah, that. You don't, you never don't finish, finish that. that. You don't one. say Candyman five times in the mirror. You don't say Bloody Mary. Maybe that's Sarah Fear. You um, do when Jorge goes to sleep. But a lot of these uh, films, it's that forbidden love. Like in Candyman, it was the, the black artist with the white... Um, person like just the way who knows oh the the rich girl yeah she's and then a woman she's just some rich girl in uh in that society Fear street it's like these two girls in puritan times can't be lovers which then continues on to 94 where but that makes that makes sense in puritan society that all of this turmoil comes from love because what are they so uppity about sex mm-hmm. and all of that so yeah it's a it is a point that it all stems from that. I do agree that there are two curses in this settlement union, and I feel like... Wait, before you get into it, I just have a quick question. Sorry. Where do you think Sarah gets her power for, from to create a curse? Do you think it's residual from the devil working off of Solomon's curse? Because I'm like, she's not a witch. We find that out. She was just a wrong person. Well, if the craft taught us anything about witchcraft is that it can be passed down from mother to daughter, right? And Sarah's mom is the one who said, let's settle here. She felt something. 
And I don't think, I mean, there's going to be good and evil in that fight for eternity forever. And we hear glimpses of, Sarah, you're different. You were born this way. She's felt different. And I feel like Sarah probably has some white witchcraft in her Mm -hmm. where it's not necessarily for evil or some, you know, powers that she has. But I feel like her mom probably had some and felt some magical uh, or at least some activity in this land and that's what attracted her to it yeah and some of that was passed on to sarah because here is an untrained veterinarian that was able to deliver the piglets just by stabbing someone where i feel like i would have just killed the pig yeah yeah that pig know? was still alive uh, i mean i don't know when c-sections were invented but um you would think that maybe at times if you cut it okay you you sacrifice the mom so that the, the piglets can live but Sarah was able to bring all of these alive. Sarah is hanged and buried under the tree, but her friends come that night and dig her up and bury her somewhere else. They leave that stone that is engraved that says, the witch forever lives. And <laughs> that's funny because they do show them writing fear on her lock. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel like they, they predicted the nitpickiness of audiences these days. And they're like, yeah, we know. It was their, her friends that yeah. engraved her name into her lock. They bury her where we see her body found in the first movie. But one, I'm wondering why the friends wanted to move the body in the first place. Like, she's not buried in, in the cemetery. And here's this tree, which ends up being the center of essentially, like, the Sunnyvale shady side. Um, well, I mean, that's where she was murdered. That's kind of insulting. I could see it as being yeah. like, put her somewhere beautiful. Put her in the woods. She is clearly a lover of the woods. Right, but like in, in the Puritan time, if someone's like a criminal, and, and at this point would be one of the worst offenses you can make in this society is being with the devil, burying her probably in the woods or, or away from their settlement is where I think it would be. What Like, why bury her by the tree? Maybe it's to tell other people, Look, if you do witchcraft, this is where you're going to end up. Um, But yeah. then her friends dig her up, and then where do they bury her? In some unmarked grave. And I feel like the engraving of fear onto the lock is like their tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did it as like, uh, fuck you to the town. Like, almost, uh, if you thought she was a witch, we're going to make her a witch. You'll never, mm-hmm. like, oh, she magically moved her body, like. Yeah, and I get that for for the stone where it says the witch, what was it, the witch forever lives. So that if for some reason someone's ever or something bad's happening to the town and they go to dig up Sarah's body, they're going to find that rock, Mm -hmm. which apparently they never did. I think it would have been really cool if the town had some mishaps happening, which later on, you know, it's been been happening for centuries, that they would actually dig up Sarah's body way before 1978 and find the stone and be like oh my gosh she really was the witch and that would feed a lot of the theories and lore mm-hmm. into the witch being real yeah but that's the end of fear street 1666 yeah which i thought was a really great uh thing but obviously like this being a horror film trilogy which we learned from scream that when it's a trilogy you get stuff from the past mm-hmm. before watching i was like okay we're gonna find out something that sarah was like wrongfully like attacked you and know who knows it could have been cool if it was like sarah was actually the witch and she's 
doing these curses, but... Yeah, I guess at this point we expect a wronged protagonist, so yeah, yeah. maybe... Yeah, and, and, and maybe that resonates better with uh, today's audiences to justify why the bad people are bad. It was really cool to see the, the story behind Sarah and finding out she was innocent and didn't do anything wrong, and it's the good family this whole time. Then we get a title card, Fear Stream 1994, part two. Part duh. I'm like, liars, there's more than three? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But we see, we pick up with Nick Sheriff has gone to where Gina and Josh are, where they combine the hand and the body of Sarah. Nick is asking Josh, is everything okay? And as he's advancing on him, Gina comes shooting out of the woods, grabs Josh, and they run into the woods, and she's like, good is evil, which I'm pretty sure is what the janitor said in the first movie. And I was like, wow, this movie really televises itself from the start. And what does the sheriff do? Let me whip out my gun and, and aim it at some kids. Like... Oh, Nick. So may maybe sheriffs are trained to... uh whip out their gun at the first sign of uh, danger to, like, show authority. But I'm like, dude, here's, like, a 12-year-old-looking kid. And, like, he disappeared. Nick is high on his own legacy. He is just feeling invincible. Yeah, they draw him into the woods and then distract him and steal his cop car. I'm like, that's not noticeable. Yeah, and they hear on the radio, like, oh, this cop car's been stolen. Look out for this one. And then they left their shoes behind. Like, there was some Nikes on the ground, which I'm like, why? Like, I think it was that was part of the ploy to trick Nick. But Dina gives us a little recap in the car ride. She says, Sarah's not a witch. Good is trading shady ciders to the devil. The good family has been trading shady ciders to the devil this whole time. And then we get flashes of various goods throughout the years saying names of the possessed. And we get a flash of young Nick saying Tommy's name from 1978. And I was like, oh my god, he was bad the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it adds so much weight to that legacy discussion that he had when they were younger. And I liked it because now, now I know how and why they're possessed and they're chosen by the good family. Oh, but I did want to say, oh, and also Nick then, it, we can infer that Nick was the one who was just... In that house in 1978. Remember when I was like, who was there? Because Alice was like, oh, someone was just here in this witch's house. So it was Nick who was just there. Mm. But also, I wanted to say, so that I always assumed that was Sarah's house. But Sarah never lived outside of the settlement. So I think that's Widow Mary's house, was and always. I, th I thought that was like Solomon's house. Well, and maybe in the, oh. Because like... But like, oh, you're right, what, what makes it confusing is that the caverns are so big. Mm -hmm. It's like, it looks small and you think, oh, this is here. But it, it connects from Solomon's house to the meaning house. It is Solomon's house because that's where the ritual is. And we'll see later that when Solomon had first spoke the or made the deal, the witch's curse the witch's mark. sign mark is formed into the mm -hmm. the stone. So you're right, that is yeah, now his I'm, house. Not, now I'm just not wondering what's the circumference of this thing because... Uh, you would. <laughs> like I said, I, I like when... the I think the better horror stories take logic and it's like this can actually happen, not just like, oh, the witch's mark is uh, 10 feet radius and then in another scene it's 10 miles. Because mm. uh, 
Solomon lives outside of Union, mm-hmm. which then ends up turning into Sunnyvale um, and, and, and with a split. Because when they're going through some of these caverns, you can emerge by the meeting house, like we saw Cindy Berman and Sarah emerging from there. Yet on the other side, you're at the outhouse. Yeah. Um, and that's a fair walk. Maybe. I was never spatially sound in any of these movies, but that is just something that I'm bad at anyways. Mm -hmm. Not really good at figuring out space. Anyways, (laughs) we get a a cut to the lumpy mass and see a ton of minions being formed. And Dina and Josh go back to Ziggy, tell her everything. She looks very upset. Then they go to the janitor's house because he had given Josh his card. And they enlist his help. And they go to the mall, and that's going to be our final showdown at the mall. And they are going to kill Nick Good. (laughs) Killing Nick Good. (laughs) (laughs) And um, one thing I wanted to say going back, it just came to my head. Story about the the friends moving Sarah's body. Mm. Um, So in at the end of 1978, we hear that the curse is going to be broken. One's hand and body unite. When Dina unites the hand and body, the curse isn't broken. She, you know, gets transported to 1666, and we find out that the friends are the ones that started that lore. Um, was it? I thought it was good propaganda because I, because we find out a moment later that it's been Nick spray painting the witch's mm-hmm. lore all over town, and I just. I cackle every time I think of him just sneaking around spray painting the town centers. And so I feel like it was like a combination of both, but yeah. I think it was like the friends were saying, you'll break the curse by uniting the hand with the body. And that's why they moved the body, because if somebody brings the hand to where the body is, the body's not going to be there. Right. Um, and then the good are completely... They want to maintain the town thinking Sarah was the witch because that'll hide their um, power. And we know that this power or rich was passed down from firstborn to firstborn. But when we get that flashback of little 14-year-old Nick Good, it's like, when does the dad reveal to the firstborn son, son, this is who we are and our great-grandfather Solomon made this deal with the devil and we're going to continue it because not only did nick find out but he actually put tommy's name yeah i was also curious does it seems like the father then didn't live that long which goes against this this deal that would give you prosperous life and legacy so i'm like oh do they have like unnaturally short lives the nick men or the good men so we don't know, but mm-hmm. I was just curious about that because I'm like, why would his dad then die so soon? Well, so I don't know if like the dad needs to die in order for the next good to to take on the power. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they do one together because mm-hmm. um, they do say it's like one soul every couple of years, but it seems like maybe it's once a decade. But they kind of say it's like once a generation. Mm-hmm. So like uh-huh. their their sequence is not consistent. Like it that happens every 27 years. This one is just like. Maybe when the devil's hungry, he lets me know I need to offer up a a thing. Or since we found out the first one was kind of like a selfish reason, it's like whenever some shady cider pisses me off, I'm going to sacrifice someone. sacrifice someone else. Because in 1994, 
Ryan Torres is offered as a sacrifice. So why isn't the devil satisfied? Why does Sam become the next name a week later? Yeah, maybe it it had to do with her finding Sarah's body. And I kind of agree with that um, because in 94, a lot of us were confused on what's the significance of the blood. Yeah. And in 78, we find out when she's near there, that's the sign. Mm-hmm. And Sheriff Good has been covering up this whole conspiracy so when he sees sam with the nosebleed Mm -hmm. and dina with the nosebleed he's like the truth is gonna come out i'm gonna kill sam i'm or i'm gonna have sacrifice sam and puts her name on there oh maybe so he goes in there to try and prevent the truth because what do we do at the end of 94 we don't say the the witch possessed the killers he's like oh some junky teenagers went off on a murdering spree so we kind of find out the motivation for the police force to actively say that's shady siders being shady siders because that covers up the goods are sacrificing yeah. shady siders. So we're in the mall and the plan is the minions are after Dina. So they're going to use Dina's blood to lure the minions, lock them in the stores individually. And when Nick comes, they're going to super soak him with Dina's blood. carry him. Yeah, they're going to carry him. You're right. That's what Ziggy's plan is. And release the minions, and hopefully the minions will kill him. And they have a dope montage. And every time there's a montage, I'm like, man, I wish I had a montage button in my life. <laughs> I'd get so much more done. Just be like, boop. Because they completely redo this mall. It looks, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of work. But anyways. Um, Which I have a lot of gripe about that, too. Just in terms of the timing, like, the sheriff is after them. They stole a cop car. It's a small town. How do they have enough? I mean, maybe the sheriff department doesn't have enough resources to get someone there. That's why they asked the janitor for help. More hands. um, But I was like, how did they? And and it looks like this kind of work, what, would take several hours to pull off, yet the police can't track them down within a a couple hours i mean i get it gps wasn't around in the 90s maybe it was i don't know to be like hey your car is here so dina gives this big speech i thought this is really funny she gives this big speech to kick off the action and she's like we're gonna avenge our friends she looks to josh we're gonna avenge simon and kate she looks to ziggy we're gonna avenge cindy your sister and then she looks to the janitor and it's so funny, I just kind of thought like, oh, uh, sorry, I don't really know you, but uh, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> so they're hiding and they're waiting for Nick to come and then two cops come. So it's like, oh no, they're going to arrest them before the whole plan even kicks off. But they're pretty much immediately murdered by the minions who show up shortly after. The milkman comes out. Yeah. I think the Nightwing killer at some point. Anyways. But they eventually lock the minions in their stores, and Nick comes in, and Ziggy kind of lures him into the center under the bucket, and they carry him. And right to the tree. Like, why, why would he just go to the tree? Oh, because that's where she was standing. She was like... <laughs> Anyways. So then they release the minions, and they all attack Nick, and they do stab him, but he grabs Ziggy and then gets Dina's blood on her, so it's this big old mess, big old action scene. Dina cuts her hand to distract them, and this allows Nick to get away, and he runs into, he runs away. Dina follows him, and then Sam 
I think I forgot to mention, Sam's there. They've just been dragging poor possessed Sam along with them everywhere they go. She escapes because they had tied her up. She escapes and she also follows Dina and Nick. And Nick runs into the caverns and the tunnels. And I am like so confused. I mean, I guess the mall is the mess hall, which was the meeting house. So not that confusing. So there are three of them running around in the tunnels. And the group upstairs is fighting the minions, but it feels like a losing battle because they can always regenerate. So Sam attacks Dina. Dina knocks her out, hits her head on a rock, and then Nick attacks Dina. <laughs> Nick stabs Dina, and that's when I was like, oh yeah, he stabs her in the tummy. And I was like, yeah, she got stabbed in the tummy a lot. Yeah. Superhuman over here. That's what I mean. These, these shady siders, sunny dealers. stabbed and run. No worries. They're great. They're doing it uh but then they start fighting and they're by that lumpy mass and at one point dina puts nick's hand onto the lumpy mass and he sees all the murders that have occurred in the good's name from their deal with the devil oh i did want to say while nick is beating up dina he's talking trash to her he's just insulting her left and right like you shady siders are such garbage and i'm thinking Wow, legacy can really warp a mind because you know why they're trash. You did this. You're the reason why they don't have any luck in their lives. And you're over here so pompous, like, I'm so much better than you. I'm like, no, you're the reason for this. You put a curse on them. The only reason you're as amazing as you are is because you made a fucking deal with the devil, dude. How mm -hmm. pathetic are you? You can't even live life without making... You can't get through life without making a deal with the devil. <laughs> oh, I remember you did make a funny point. You're like, so you're going to make a deal with the devil to become sheriff and mayor yeah. of a tiny-ass town yeah, in that, the middle of what? Yeah, that, <laughs> it's, it's one of those where if someone says, hey, can you have three wishes, what would they be? And he's like, I want to be the sheriff yeah. of a pop, you know, let's call it a several thousand population throw him a bone and call it several hundred thousand and and that's your life goal maybe actually um, it's really actually it's really smart because he's like i don't want the headache of a big city but i want the power of a sheriff yeah. so and then here's the firstborn son he's like i want to be the sheriff his younger brother's like well i'm going to be the mayor and i would think does the sheriff report to the mayor like what where's the hierarchy i kind of yeah. Town politics, but I feel like the, the mayor is higher than the sheriff. I thought so, too. So it's like, that's, that's what you want to That's why. That's why I thought his younger brother would play a bigger role, because I feel like he, I thought that he had the bigger role in the community as mayor, but yeah, it doesn't really come up. I don't know. Maybe it's a Solomon's uh, passed down small town, or may, maybe not thinking big, but it's like Nick Good's dad, his dream was to be the sheriff, and so it's like, maybe you're making the deal with the devil just to be sheriff like i don't know like I, I i would want more and and you're asking for power and legacy within union county sunnyvale and and shadyside you're known but outside of that who knows you it's a great point where, where is this legacy being remembered actually i do think in the beginning of the first one some of the news reports is that sunnyvale is the best place in the united states to live oh. i do think that's what they said but I still agree with you. But yeah, so Nick's seeing all of the murders, is freaking out, and Sarah is reciting that curse that we heard about her following him and the truth coming out, and then poof, stabbed in the eye, and it's it looks like Sarah's... More like this. <laughs> my underhand stabbing. 
Anyways, and Dina stabbed him in the eye, which I was like, that's nice. It's fitting because of the first possessed individual took out eyes and the minions disintegrate or explode. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Sam's fine, I guess. Sam and Dina are walking through the tunnels and I don't know for how long they were walking because they come up into this beautiful, lavish house that we assume is Nick's, or at least it's one of the goods. Yeah. So clearly they're in Sunnyvale at this point. There are taxidermied animals everywhere. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting because it's like the good family are the predators. So it was a nice little touch. So they walk outside into the beautiful neighborhood of Sunnyvale. <laughs> and this Sunnyvaler like, is reversing out of his car and immediately gets smashed by a trash truck. I was like, no, it's not his fault either. He's not the one who made a deal with the devil. But that was funny. Yeah. And then we get like the news reporter saying, all is no longer good yeah. in Sunnyvale. Yeah, they're calling Nick a serial killer and his family has disowned him. They're saying they had no prior knowledge of any of this. And then we get happy endings galore. Uh, Nurse Lane and Ziggy reconnect. She gives her back the book from 1978. Josh presumably meets that online person that he was talking to. She's a cute girl. And then Sam and Dina have a makeout session at Sarah's grave. I think they put like a tombstone that says first shady cider. Yeah, Sarah Fear, the first shady cider. So it seems like it's all wrapping up happy endings. And then we track the shot to the mall. We go under the mall into the caverns again and... We see the witch book and then some hands from off the screen. Grab it. Grab the book. So who do you think grabbed the book if you were to speculate? Um, hmm. Maybe Nick's brother. Yeah. It did look kind of young, though. I was like, wouldn't it be fascinating if it were Sam? Because you think she's busy, but it could have been a different time. It didn't necessarily have to be in that moment. But I was like, oh, you're right, Fear Street, the 2006. <laughs> coming, coming to theaters near you. <laughs> but yeah. who did you think? So I, I have like two um, theories on it. Is one, it's like, as you said, it's either Will Good. Um, and it's, yes, it's the firstborn son. But now that the firstborn son is dead, does it? Does that power get transferred to the second son? Um, yeah. Is is the thing is the curse really broken and and the deal's no longer there? So it's like I have a hard time believing that Will Good knew nothing and he just thinks, oh, we're oh. we're such good people. His family knew. Because um, <laughs> I feel like if their dad had so much special treatment for Nick because he's the firstborn son, there would definitely be that grudge, right? Like, oh, my dad, you're the favorite, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking, is Will going to try and make the simple exchange himself? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's his firstborn son. Oh, yeah, because I do think the curse is broken because we see the witch's mark and it gets filled in. Mm -hmm. And it looks like all the names are erased off. all the names disappeared. So it's like, maybe that is one. And then the other thought that I have is that maybe it's Dina. Because... If you look at some Harry Potter lore on who becomes the owner of the wand, Solomon killed Widow Mary. He has the book. Who killed Nick? Dina. So who's the owner of the book? 
maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's more of a stretch. No, because so, we don't like, know the origin of the witch book. That's what I also have a question about is, or what I would like to know. Who, who wrote the book? Yeah, like how did Widow Mary come into the possession? Was she a witch? Was she a, a white witch, like you were saying? Well, maybe we'll see Fear Street 1492 and the Columbus coming to, to this area. Yeah, and so I wonder, like the motivations Dina would have is to make sure nobody makes a curse. Or if she's somehow a descendant of the Fear family, is you know she going to tap into some of these powers that have maybe been passed down from generation to generation? Who would be, what, like if her dad remarried? And yeah, if her, if her dad remarried or... Yeah, because the two siblings, the two yeah, Fear we, siblings were dead mm-hmm. by the end of 1666 and maybe the dad was alive i don't know i'm sorry but all those men with their long hair and beards look the same to me or maybe sarah's mom had a sister you know just fair enough um, but just some something like that Uh, maybe that's a little bit too far stretched one thing i hope the series would have uh explained a little bit better and i was hoping to see it in 1666 is they all keep making references to union and how it was one settlement and then it was split into sunny Sunnyvale and Shadyside. And in 1666, we don't really get the this is now Sunnyvale. Mm-hmm. We find out that, well, or the town believes that Sarah was the witch. We killed her. Solomon moves to this side, which ends up becoming Sunnyvale. It becomes prospering, and then Shadyside is on the west side, and it, it's the bad side, but like who decided to go where? And I, I wish, yeah, I, I wish they, they, they kind of went into maybe Fear Street 1706, <laughs> where you start seeing the split and why Sunnyvalers don't like Shady Siders and vice versa. Very well may. Yeah, like what, what, one theory that's out there is that anyone who was, I saw Sarah and Hannah kissing became um. Sunnyvalers. And anyone in the town who was like, Sarah and Hannah are innocent, uh, the friends that moved the body, they became the shady siders because So they are all kind of complicit, those little sunny shot sunny veiler shits. I mean unless people move there because you know it's the best town well, in America. <laughs> you know, but in, in like the seventeen hundreds or you know, in, in sixteen sixty six where Solomon is essentially gonna become a, a leader or a powerful person in there why wouldn't you want to side with him and if it's as easy as saying yep i i saw the witch doing this this person is a witch and then after sarah i'm sure other scandals happen in town and whoever's just like yep i agree with you oh come to this come to the east side and it becomes sunnyvale so i kind of wish they went into some of those dynamics into the origins of Sunnyvale and Shadyside and how that divide continued into the very different divide that we see in 94. Mm-hmm. And on that, I kind of wish that they would go into more of the implications of Sam moving. Was she able to move successfully or at least her mom? Because we never see her mom. Or did he pick Sam to become possessed? Because here's a shady cider, a crappy shady cider trying to jump ship and come into our beautiful town i don't think so like maybe i did have a question though because we never see cyrus as a minion right no i wonder why 
Maybe because he doesn't have any ojos anymore. He's useless. Well, he's as blind as a bat, as the kids <laughs> say. he can finally see. Um, in the stones, you see tons and tons of names. So, yeah. like, you know, the minions could have been anyone. I feel like the, the Fear Street kind of focused on a few and then just brought them back. I mean, have to. we're already getting confused on the, the cast and crew and how mm. many of these. But I would have liked to see Cyrus Miller come back, um, mm. maybe as like the first one to be possessed. Uh, you know, when, when Dina, through Sarah, kills Nick Good, mm -hmm. maybe some of those possessed souls could have came back as a thank you for freeing me. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was kind of personified when the names disappeared. But I would have liked to see that resolution, like what happens to their souls now? I also had a question. So then why did Nick leave that note for Ziggy? It's happening again. Yeah. Like what was the motivation behind that mm -hmm. since he's the one doing all of it? Is he so sadistic that he's just fucking with her and he's like i'm just gonna make her relive all this awful shit because otherwise what's the point that that one's kind of like in over my head i wonder too why he saved ziggy and then if he was just gonna like ignore her or maybe she ignored him because he didn't even though he said he believes her he tells the cops oh it was tommy he was crazy he snapped mm -hmm. and that's that's the story that keeps recirculating and i think in, in our last review we were talking about this cycle that keeps happening but it's being propagated by the good yeah the good family that maybe, says maybe he was hoping he could change your mind about believing that tommy was possessed and maybe that shady siders are just trash and hopefully get her to change sides and be with him no, I didn't get that yeah. vibe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's the Solomon, I love Sarah, but I can't have you. And then Just red herrings. Where is his lineage? That's what I wonder. Even from Solomon's day, maybe the firstborn son does enact the curse, but then the second son is the one who carries on the legacy. That could be. Yeah, it, it could be. And it, I think it was a, a throwaway line back to 1666 when they're having that meeting at the meeting house where they mention the pastor killing 12 kids and then they say you've now ended the line of several of these families because mm -hmm. back then it wasn't as common to have many kids as you know child death was probably fairly common and for some of these families they stop with the death of that child with Solomon Good enacting Cyrus, I wonder if he knew when he made this deal with the devil, if they would pick out specific kids. Why were these 12 kids chosen? Were these families that would kind of go against good? Or maybe that was his competition, mm. right? Like in uh, older politics, it, it was common to kill your competition. Solomon felt some of these families like, oh, they might be the leaders. We'll just kill off their kids and then next generation the good family is going to take over mm -hmm. sorry that was kind of like a tangent rant so why then does nick want the truth out of the kids so bad you know when simon and kate are killed in the grocery store he's like tell me the truth or else i'm just gonna say that a bunch of junkies did this and they're the murderers that he knows who did it and he knows the truth so why does he care what story they tell him does he want to know if they believe in the witch or does he want to know what they're up to kind of a vibe he's like what maybe because he's already trying to possess sam so he's like what are you kids up to what do you know eh, he's probably just trying to figure out what they know yeah and, and maybe it is that 
probably the curse that Sarah put into the truth coming out. And like if the truth comes out, their legacy is going to end. Maybe he's like, how much do these kids know? That makes sense. And because I don't know if the sheriff knows that if the truth does come out, like their power is done. Because like what if they, they find out, oh, the goods made a deal with the devil. They can just be like, oh, that's make believe. Or they can be like, yeah, so what? What are you going to do about it? Yeah. How are you going to stop us? We're still going to be prosperous because we still have this deal yeah. in place. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Oh, God. They're like, yeah, we are. Yeah. We did it. Sucker. It's going to be, you can um, do. Uh, what was that show you really like? Death Note, where they're just going to write people's names <laughs> on the stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that was his motivation is just how much do these kids know? So then also, do they only choose shady siders because over time they've grown to believe their own their own lore, their own crap that they've made up that the Shady Siders are the trashy people because it, I would imagine that they could pick Sunny Veilers or Shady Siders. It's more like their own bias. I'm sure the devil doesn't give a crap who they pick. You could pick your own brother. He'd probably be like, whatever. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I, I think it's just that like us versus them and it goes to like a better story telling in uh, really the Shady Siders being Shady Siders. It's the story that's believed generation after generation. Definitely more succinct and interesting from a story standpoint, for sure. But yeah, but it'd be crazy if uh, the next good is like, pick a Sunnyvaler. Yeah, that's all my thoughts. Yeah. Great. All right. Tell us your thoughts about the film. Leave any suggestions for future films you want us to discuss. And see you next time. Thanks for watching with us.